With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall Bringing forth the written word of God to one and all Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall Listen to the watchman on the wall Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. God bless you, and welcome to this morning's live radio broadcast. We are broadcasting this Wednesday, and it is, gosh, already the 30th day of March. We are in the last day of March. Is there 31 days, or are there 31 days, or is there 30 days? Let's take a peek real quick, and I love doing this. I don't know why we have back in January. Okay, so we have another day. Tomorrow will be the 31st. And, you know, things are rushing to a conclusion. And what that means is that uh, there are two very particular things we are looking for as we stand upon the wall and we watch as we look out uh, to the things that are coming on the earth. That is our job. That is what we do. We seek to view uh, world events through a biblical lens and give interpretation to it. Uh, we are coming to the end of the first shift of the year uh, 2022 in the Gregorian calendar, and we're expecting a shift to take place beginning in around the month of April. And so we're just days away from that. We also are coming to the conclusion of the year 5781, which was uh, the year that in the mathematics of the Hebrew 
actually referred to packing your bags, anguish, tribulation. So we kind of felt that this was a time to get really prepared. And I believe that is wisdom. I think there's so much wisdom in the word of God about that. So uh, pack your bags. Where are we going? Probably into the wilderness. There's a great, probably, uh, I don't want to use the word chance. Uh, There is a leading of the spirit in some people's lives to get themselves into the wilderness. Now, when we talk about a wilderness, we ask, well, where is the wilderness? Is this in Petra uh, in the Middle East? Is it, you know, where is it? Is it in Basra? Uh, Where is the wilderness uh, for God's people? And I believe personally that there are wildernesses all over the world. A wilderness to me in scripture, according to Revelation chapter 12, represents a place that God has prepared for his people to take care of them uh, during the same period of time as what the Bible calls the Great Tribulation. So the Great Tribulation, we know in the New Testament, is a three and one half year period of time uh, where there will be great anguish, great pressure, great persecution. Uh, The enemy will have basically nothing in his way stopping him from making war with the things of God and the people of God. But at the same time, there are a particular group of people that will be spared from that satanic hatred because they will be given two wings of a great eagle to be carried off into a wilderness where God has provided a place to nourish them for three and a half years. And I find that to be absolutely amazing. So the idea is, well, Holy Spirit, where is the wilderness? What wilderness is the wilderness you know, a, a desert or mountain, a cave? Is it a Goshen? Is it an ark? Where is the wilderness that God is speaking about in the last days where his people will come? Well, again, I believe it is just a place of provision. Uh, it could be a town. It could be a city. It could be a place that God has marked like a Goshen uh, to preserve his people during these things. Um, so whatever it is, The wisdom for you and I as believers, understanding New Testament theology and understanding the new covenant that God has provisions for the obedience, for the righteous, that we would be, again, understanding where that place is. We thank the Lord that uh, we are at least in the ballpark right now in northwest Arkansas. I believe that with all my heart. And Goshen was not a secret place that nobody said anything about. Goshen was Goshen in the days of Egypt, and the children of Israel lived in Goshen, and all the Egyptians knew that the children of Israel lived in Goshen. Well, in the place that we live in northwest Arkansas, to us, it is like a refuge. It is like a Goshen. So we long ago packed our bags and came to a place that we believe God led us to by his spirit, and time will tell. The last 12 and a half years have been awesome, and the transition into this region has been awesome, And God has blessed the work and has called us to do some work to further prepare for those that we believe will be coming into the region. So, and within the region that we've been brought into, there are pockets of labor that are taking place. And so we just believe that we're already there. Uh, We have not had to worry about packing our bags and getting anywhere. We have done exactly what God told us to do. We are exactly where God called us to be. And uh, we're always very sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So the message that went out was for people that were kind of hanging out uh, in cities or places that were more Egyptian in nature. 
rather than God's Goshen for their lives. And they stayed there kind of like the Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot and his family, uh, because they built their lives there. It was beautiful. Uh, they didn't really want to pack, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so they hung out to the very last minute. And that didn't work out very well for anybody, quite frankly. Everybody suffered because of the delay of obedience. And so our call has been going out for a long time to prepare, prepare, prepare. Now, at some point, I'm going to wait for Brian and Kathy to call into the program. We were not here yesterday, and uh, we got home very late last night. And so I'm just up here running, uh, getting things ready. But I did want to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with the hope that Brian and Kathy will be calling in and join me on the air today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, live or die, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. You know, the thing that struck me here is the helmet, uh, and, and, you know, the, the breastplate of faith, and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Having hope right now is critical to the health of the body of Christ. Hope is health. Hope is health. If there is no hope, the body will get sick. If there is no hope, the soul will get depressed. If there is no hope, then we look and and view life as a very miserable thing. So hope is the ray of light that regardless of what condition one's life is in, wherever they may be, whatever they are going through, whatever is happening, hope is able to see beyond all of it. Our seeming failures will be turned into great success when there's hope. When there's hope, we see beyond the clouds. We see beyond the storm. We see beyond all the things that are going on in the world. And what is your hope? And what is my hope? Our hope alone is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in God. Our hope and our faith and our trust and everything that we are within ourselves is hope. Hope for a future, a brilliant future, a bright future, a future that far transcends anything that this earth could ever offer. Even the richest man, the most healthy man, the most happy man on planet Earth, it will have to give way to something greater in eternity. 
for you and I, our hope is in God. Our hope is to see God. Our hope is to see Jesus. Our hope is to see the Holy Spirit. Our hope is to see the angels. Our hope is to see heaven. Our hope is to be changed and conformed into the image of the one we love. Our hope has nothing to do with earthly, temporary things. Our hope has to do with eternal things, heavenly things. And when we get that and stop thinking that, you know, things on earth didn't work the way that we thought or there was failure over here or breakdown over here, um, when we stop thinking that way and start looking into the eternal things of God, then everything we do on this earth will have a zip to it. It'll have a zap to it. It'll have vim to it. It'll have vigor to it. It'll have life in it. Because, right, quite frankly, to be on this earth, to prepare for the last days, to prepare for the end times, without hope of a future reward is miserable. I mean, if God told Noah to build an ark without the hope of him going through something to get to another side, what would be the point of it? I mean, to only build for the now, to only prepare for right now, is really morbid when you think about it. Noah, build this ark. Okay, Lord, I'm going to build the ark. Why? Well, because I'm bringing a great flood and that's it. It's all over. There's nothing left. Then why am I building an ark? Well, because actually there is for you something on the other side of this flood. You're going to come out into a new heaven. You're going to come out into a new earth. You're going to see brand new things. Problem with Noah, he came out of his ark. The first thing he did was built a vineyard and got drunk. And all of a sudden his sons are having an issue. One particularly, Ham, had an issue with his father's nakedness, his wife. You know, a man's nakedness is his wife. So then it all starts again. But we, in the new covenant that are going through these storms of life that are going through our moment, and we are the end of the end of the end of the age, which we are connected to the beginning of the church age. We're not some different group of people. I mean, we're different in a sense of our personalities, but we are the church. We are believers. The faith of God has come into our heart. The word of the Lord means something to us. We're connected to the church age, what's been going on for 2,000 years. And now because we're at the end of 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 the ages, and the baton has been passed to us to run the race, to finish the race, well, it's not just about the race. It's what's on the other side. It's the crown. It's the reward. It is what awaits us. Our hope to finish this race, our hope to win our personal race, is what is before us. We have eternal hope. We have hope that the world knows nothing about. Now, just to do something for the sake of doing it is a great vanity. It is a vexation of spirit. I mean, you live in the days of Ecclesiastes with the great preacher Solomon. Uh, everything he did, everything he experienced, everything he you know, labored for, he called it all vanity. Why? Because in those days, there wasn't really the, the understanding of the resurrection of the dead, brand new bodies, being born again, being a new species of mankind, a new creation, uh, having a place in heaven to rule and reign in the kingdom of God that would come upon the earth in the manner it's going to come when Yeshua returns. So we live in a new dispensation. We live at a different time. The hope of the ages within the church age for every person that has believed in Jesus has been eternity, eternal things, eternal life. Everything in our hope is not what happens here. There are Christians on this earth that are poor, that are destitute, that suffer, that are going through things that are 
and have gone through things that we can't imagine. Then there are those who are kind of just floating along and everything's okay. It's a nice, easy life. Then there are those that have more than enough and they're rich and abundant and overflowing with things. But the bottom line to all is that we're going to die. And at the end of our life, then we give an account and then we go on into eternity. So we live here on earth to prepare for eternal things. And while we're in the flesh, while we're walking on this earth, eating, drinking, doing what God tells us to do in our calling and ministry, to be salt and light, to warn the wicked, to prepare the nation, you know, to do all that we do. You know, this is part, this is a, this is a small, tiny fragment of what God has promised for those that love him. And what God has promised for those that love him is eternal things, eternal life, eternal bodies, eternal spirit, eternal light, eternal life. I mean, everything before us is why we have an inspiration, why we have a juice, why, you know, oh man, I blew it over here. I failed over here. I missed it over here. I didn't do it right over here. Well, most of the time, if you're truly born again, it's unintentional, but people miss the market time. So you're quick to repent. You're quick to confess. You get back up. You get back on with the journey of today. I need to live in the fullness of the spirit and do everything that God puts in my heart to do and to do it wisely and to do it effectively. But in the doing itself is not my hope. My hope is that whatever I'm doing here eventually is going to lead me into what I'm looking for, like every other human being is looking for, a personal encounter with the living God in an eternal way. To be able to be with God, man, there's, you're not going to want to be with your best friend. And if people talk about going to heaven, they want to see Uncle Joe and Aunt Lucy. I mean, that's nice. Praise God. Uncle Joe and Aunt Lucy will be there. But really, don't you want to see God? Don't you want to be with God, the God of the Bible? I mean, the creator of heaven and earth and Yahshua? Jesus and the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, isn't it all about that encounter? Aren't we living for that eternal moment, that moment that when we are with God and he fully embraces us and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, or as one friend said, I'd rather hear him say, well done, son. So, I mean, either way, everything on earth is leading towards an eternal encounter with God. And if we would keep that perspective and we wouldn't get burnt out. We wouldn't get bored. We wouldn't get, you know, all these things going on uh, in this momentary life as though they're so important. And all of our hope is in what happens today. No, it's not. Our hope is in the future and in eternity. Having said that, I see that Brian and Kathy are with me on the air this morning. Let me bring them into the broadcast and say good morning. God bless you, Brian and Kathy. Good to see and hear you both. How are you today? Good morning. We're doing supernaturally great. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I like it. Supernaturally great. That's what we love to hear. That's good stuff right here. <laughs> so how has your week been? How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing awesome. Fantastic. It's just uh, just more evidence of the hand of God on, on, on our lives in this place. And, um, and in spite of the absolute chaos that's going on in the world and around us sometimes it's God's hand is on us and we have his perfect peace in the midst of turmoil. <clears throat> Doesn't get any better than that. Praise God. And you know, that perfect peace that you just talked about, that perfect peace in the midst of turmoil that is connected to eternity. 
that has eternal value, not just for today, that I'm going to have a decent day today, um, because regardless whether the turmoil, the turmoil is there, the turmoil is all over the world, and it's getting closer to closer to many people's lives, and that's the pressure that's coming, the tribulation. But to have the perfect peace of God in the midst of that turmoil, even when it begins to come knocking at our own door at times, to have that perfect peace, that is eternal. Can you speak into that, please? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, that, that uh, we, we always learn in mission school that whenever making a decision, when it, even from the smallest decision to the biggest life decision, to make sure that we're, we are guided by, by his peace. And, and that is the, that's the litmus test as far as, as walking with him, no matter what the, the external circumstances are. And it's, it's that perfect peace that we're going to dwell in in eternity that's peace beyond our understanding. But we get, to, we get to touch on it and taste it each day. And we get, to be, we get to be taught by him every single day by Holy Spirit to walk in his perfect peace in spite of circumstances. You know, we're, we're, uh, we get, we're getting more and more evidence. I think we're in, we're, we feel like we're in advanced uh, spiritual warfare training right now here. <laughs> and God's ah, been just good. really just he's been really just teaching us things. I'm just realizing as I'm speaking here that you know dealing with with situations here, they're like microscopic um models or paradigms for how we're going to have to operate in these coming days. And what I mean by that is that, you know, Kathy has been really uh put a lot of emphasis on an intercessory prayer group. They're trying to get a, a basically a 24-hour house of prayer started here. And they've got, I, it looks like they've got like about at least 12 hours a day covered right now. But in the, in the uh, boys' home that I was working in, we've been having some major spiritual warfare, just real demonic manifestations. And, and, and um, without going to, into a lot of detail, things are getting really, really hostile. And just, you know, boys just calling me every single name in the book and, just uh, bordering on no, no physical violence, but everything just short of that. And I came home and I told Kathy I, I, the other night, you know, I, I think this house, things are really getting ready to unravel, you know, and we're going to end up having to like run it like more like a prison than, than a therapeutic home. And uh, at least the house that I was in and um, Kathy was, was due to go into intercessory prayer. And she went in for six hours the, 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 just yesterday, right before I went to work. And I asked them to, you know, to intercede for the house and intercede for all the kids there for what's going on. And I went in just like ready for, uh, gosh, I don't know what kind of night this is going to be, Lord, but get me through it. And just supernaturally, it's just there was just a complete total shift. And where the boys were starting to align against authority and and start looking to just they were filing grievances against staff or nothing and lying about them and everything else like that. I went in yesterday and there was a complete total shift the boys that i thought that were going to be tearing the place apart had turned around and they were trying to like find a positive solution to the to these two individuals that were causing conflict in the house and you know that's just a small little thing but but um it just showed me the importance of having an intercessory prayer team wherever you are and whatever you're endeavoring in. We all pray ourselves, but there are people that are actually called to intercessory prayer, and it is going to be a vital, vital, vital part of of what of our uh, surviving and what lies ahead. And I was just amazed because it wasn't anything that I did or said or any of the other staff did or said, but there was a shift in the spirit. 
and 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 it it just it was just incredible. Yeah. So. Wow. Hopefully that makes so, sense because <laughs> I'm yeah, processing it, it myself. Yeah, it's because a lot to process. I could just imagine what you were going through there, and that is the crisis. That's what happens in the midst of the storm, and it's always the prayer. It's always the faith. It's always the ability to see through, and that's where the eternal hope is. Again, the hope is having eyes to look beyond what is happening, and that sounds good. It's a lot more difficult, I think, at times when people are going through things to see beyond the shadows, beyond the storm, into the you know, the breakthrough, there's light at the end of the tunnel. But if we have spiritual eyes and we can see it, um, and normally that happens through prayer, a lot of times what you're saying is prayer is clearing the air. It's dispersing the clouds. It's, it's allowing for rays of light to break through and shine in on the situation. And so intercessory prayer, you're saying it's a microcosm of what's ready to come on the earth. I think you're absolutely right. I that that's a terrific understanding because – if we get weary with the footmen, what's going to happen when the prancing chariots come? Exactly. Yeah. Uh-oh. Go ahead, Kathy, no, please. Go. Oh, oh, sorry. There was a um, a pause. But, yeah, it, it's amazing. I mean, this I've always been into intercessory prayer, but this is a whole new realm, and this is new to me. And, and as far as I'm concerned, it's all about worshiping God and because – well, let's start out with your topic of hope, man. That is so basic. And hope, you know, like if we have hope in the world and, and with with the secular world and the government and the whole system, you know, or in just our own ways, uh, you might as well flush that down the toilet because it's just a waste of time. And so I would really encourage everybody to shift their hope in our Lord and Savior, our Father, our Abba Father, and His plan, and His supernatural hope that is going to prevail, because we know the end of the book, and it's just good news. And, you know, we need to shift our hope, you know, into the unseen, the unseen realm, and because that is truth, and it's just going to prevail, that's period, and it's good news. I don't care what the circumstances are like and if they change overnight or not, but our hope is in him, in him and his agenda and his truth. And we have his truth written, not only in a book, but on our hearts and our minds. And it is inside of us. And we need to speak that. And, and that's what prayer is. And the spirit of prophecy is speaking his word, you know, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And when we are in intercessory prayer, and I, I'm not, this is new to me, so I'm just, it's just amazing um, because it's just, there's, this is, it's just worshiping him in prayer, praying in the spirit and in English and reading his word to what he's speaking out loud in the group is just, we are beholding his face. It's not about these details of, trying to tell God what to do in a certain situation. You know, we pray the word, pray the word, and we know his hope and his will is for all men to be saved. And and that's just one thing out of many things in his word. And, um, and yes, we did pray for the house and all the boys and girls at the Holston home. And, uh, and 
uh, it's a spiritual battle. We are walking in a spiritual battle, every single one of us, whether we realize it or not. And so there's things that we don't know, we can't see in the spirit what's going on. And that's why praying in the spirit is so important. And then as we pray in the spirit, God gives interpretation of, you know, inside of us, in, you know, on our hearts of what's going on. And a scripture comes up and then we will read the scripture. But um, it's just, it's just amazing. It's like the closest I've ever come to God is in these last few couple weeks that I've been in this intercessory prayer. It's just amazing and I usually think that you know I like to take a walk in nature I like to worship and just just worship God but but I don't know what it is but it's just um it's the closest in the throne room that I've ever ever experienced and um and I just know that God is it's his door to us is prayer and it's it's mighty and I think he's really pleased for those that do um seek him and so i just encourage everybody to continue in your prayers and realize that he's right there and just behold his face in prayers and just and with a worshiping heart amen and, and step back mm-hmm. yeah absolutely you know as you were talking i was thinking i think both you and brian know of a man by the name of t austin sparks and t austin sparks wrote a book on intercessory prayer And one of the things I'll never forget, I read this about maybe 25 years ago, 28 years ago, whatever it was. And uh, he wrote a book that when it came to intercessory prayer, he talked about all the works that men could do, all the things that people can do. But when it came to prayer, the assault of the enemy was so powerful against that particular, you know, labor in the spirit that uh, it, it, because it's the point of all focus, it is the thing that changes everything, prayer. So to keep people out of prayer, to keep people from praying, or to people that won't give up on praying, but to get them into a mindset or get them into an attitude or something that would make it more, uh, you know, whatever, you know, other than what God intended it to be. Uh, God bless you, Kathy, for your willingness to go into that kind of intercessory prayer. And for those that are on the other uh, other end of that prayer, like Brian and the work he's doing, what a blessing uh, to empower his ministry and his work. And so that is an excellent, excellent thing. But I was thinking of something as you were talking, and I'll, I'll stop here. Um, as you were talking, I was seeing something in my mind, and I was seeing a man that, uh, you know how people, they get a job offer. They're going around life, and somebody comes up to them and says, hey, you know, we've got this job opening over here. It's a, you're going to be a CEO of a corporation or you're going to be a whatever, you know, uh, of, of this business. And we've got an office here for you. We're going to pay you $400,000 a year. Um, we're going to have your 401ks. You're going to have your dental, your medical. We've got all these things for you. And they present this opportunity for a job uh, in, in this incredible, you know, company. And, you know, the guy says, absolutely, I'm somewhat qualified. You know, they got to find a qualified person for the job. So once you get the job, once you get hired, now you step into the office, you're going to have your paychecks flowing and all that, but now you got to do the job. And sometimes the job is not just, you know, walking in there and everything's working perfectly. The job is, man, this place is a mess. And the reason why I've been hired is to make this place better to cause it to function the way it's supposed to function. And that's where the travail comes in, right? I mean, you you got the job, you're hired, you're you're, you're in it now. Um, Yes, you're going to be rewarded handsomely for it. However, 
your job. You've got to now bring it to the place where, you're, where it's supposed to be and cause it to function in that way. And isn't that the challenge? Yeah, you know, it is. And, you know, it's always been like that for, you know, I know I've been called into prayer, intercessory prayer, and it was easier when I was a baby Christian. I was really on fire. And, um, and then it kind of waned. And, um, you know, and I would pray here and there, but I just didn't have that. It's, it's like exactly what you're talking about. The, the enemy just wants to come and, and uh, in any shape or form, discourage us. I don't have time. I don't feel like it. I don't know. I can only pray for five minutes. Um, it's depressing. I don't know what to ask for, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I, the key is praying in the spirit. But you're absolutely right. The, um, you know, once you get in, and we were just reading in um, Oswald Chambers, uh, my utmost for is highest today, and it was about intercessory prayer because yesterday I had just come back from that. Um, I'm only doing it once a week, but now I'm going to be doing it twice a week apparently and um, with a group, with a few people. But he says it this way. Uh, let's see. Get into the real work of intercession and remember it is a work that taxes every power, but a work which has no snare. Preaching the gospel has a snare. Inter- intercessory prayer has none. But I want to focus on get in and remember it is a work that taxes every power. You know, and the beautiful thing is what I realize is like that's the death of us. It just not only taxes us, we die to self in there. There is it's been by the grace of God, I when I'm in there for hours, I don't have any wandering thoughts. I am in the throne room with our Lord, you know, and it's just it's the most incredible thing and you know, I don't know if it's just something that everybody can do, but it's something to to give it a go, you know, and um, it's just the most a beautiful thing. And, um, yeah, it's a place where you die, and it's like you don't even realize, you know, I'm going in there to die. It's just like, you know, there he is, and we're just, like, worshiping and um, speaking his promises, his words, and um, as well as praying in English for situations, you know, like, like um, any prayer requests. And um, but applying God's word to that prayer request because He says, if you if you ask anything in My will, it shall be done. And um, it's you know as long as it's God's will, then so be it. It is done. End of story. And and also hey. as we behold Him in in the prayer room, it's like and in life in general, it's like we got to be walking and seeing and breathing through eyes of eternity not through our lifetime on this earth. We have to be walking in eternity cause, because if we walk in with our eyes on this earth saying, okay, I'm 62 and I, I'm, gonna, I'm hoping I'll live another 20 years, or, but in reality, tomorrow's not promised. And tomorrow, if I die, I'll be with our king for eternity. And, and I'll be with those that went before and those that come after. And we need to start seeing the perspective with every second in our life with walking in eternity in his kingdom right now and this life is but a vapor mm-hmm. amen 
Amen. Wow. You know, I hate to sound selfish, but please, while you are praying, uh, yeah, New Wine Ministries, we have intercessors and they do pray. Um, but remember us in your prayers as well. Uh, we're right now, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we're in the midst of some things that are very, very awesome, and uh, but are challenging and need that intercessory prayer for God's perfect way. He'll make a way in the wilderness. He'll make a way uh, through the river, through the fire, you know, he'll, uh, and we just want to be led by him right now is so critical uh, to really hear his voice. So thank you. Uh, we appreciate and value your prayers. All right, Brian. So here we are. We're talking about eternal things. Uh, thank you. And we're talking about hope and we're talking about, um, you know, seeing the other side of things. And uh, there's a lot on this earth right now. There's a lot here. Can you uh, speak into some of the things that, you know, just for a moment that we should be aware of. Is there something that you have picked up and, and have looked at and said, man, this is going on in the world. We need to recognize it and, and to see it for what it is as far as a preparation. What are you seeing as a watchman right now? Well, I'm seeing that um, people are very consumed by the Hegelian dialectic, the current the current version of it with the Russia versus Ukraine thing, which is which would be thesis versus antithesis with the goal of synthesis being in the end, which is completely different from from whoever wins, if you could call it that. Um, I'm looking at the fact that people are, are criticizing Russia and Ukraine and the Azov Battalion in Ukraine as being neo-Nazis. And you're talking about war where they, people go in and indiscriminately kill whatever's labeled as a target, no matter who's in the way, and yet they're speaking about how evil the Azov Battalion is. They're talking about because they're neo-Nazis. Uh, they're speaking about how brutal the Russians are because, I guess, I don't know, they're being accused of shooting prisoners and things like that. And it's just the absurdity that human beings are going in and killing each other en masse, and yet they want to come up with these little, these little qualific- minute qualifications about what are right and wrong in the context of blowing each other to death, killing each other. And so I see the absurdity of that, and people are getting caught up in that. Meanwhile, we have things going on in the Middle East that the media is not even covering. I just, uh, I just read this morning that there are, within, in Israel itself, uh, there are Muslim clerics that have supposedly uh, decoded something somewhere in the Quran that determines that Israel will be destroyed by July 8th. And so that's yeah. kind of this year, 2022, yeah, and that... Uh, and, uh, and that, um, um, you know, it's all over a buzz in the social media and it's amping people up and things like that, you know. So it's just another another potential thing that things are, are really growing in the middle, inflaming in the Middle East. There's been a series of terrorist attacks in Israel with Israelis killed and Palestinian terrorists kill, killed. And uh, meanwhile, we have, um, we have, you know, on the financial markets, we have the battle going on with, uh, uh, against I mean, it's an overt battle now against the U.S. dollar. Putin is uh, is um, saying that he will not trade uh, oil or anything, basically, in anything except the ruble, which is what we've done for years. It's the only thing that sustains the U.S. dollar is the fact it's it, they call it the petrodollar, and it's pinned the price the the price of oil is pinned to the U.S. dollar, and anybody that wants to uh, buy or sell oil must convert uh, their currency into U.S. dollars and do it that way, and that's being completely undermined by by Putin right now. And so we're we're in some very very dangerous times because the historical pattern that 
that we've had so far is that we begin with trade wars, which is what we've had with, you know, nations with U.S. and China and pretty much everybody. Then you have currency wars, and then you have world wars. And so now we're literally in a currency war where there is, a, where there is an active attempt to completely undermine the U.S. dollar. And we may, we may see the U.S. dollar being completely undermined. We may not be the world reserve currency. And, and, and in that case, our dollar will be revealed, the value of our dollar will be revealed for what it is, which is actually a negative number. And we're, the, the United States is going to be in a lot of trouble if that happens. And then one other, couple other things that I see and the, in terms of famine is that um, because countries, um, European countries are starting to hoard all their own, uh, you know, grains and fertilizer and livestock and things like that, there are other countries that cannot get uh, the necessary, what they need for their livestock. And so major, um, you know, industrial level producers are talking about having to call livestock because they can't afford to feed them. And, um, and then there's the bird flu. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about the bird flu started. I believe it started in Minnesota, then supposedly it's in the Dakotas. Now it's in Arkansas, I read yesterday. And what's interesting about that is they're, they're, they're diagnosing the bird flu with the PCR test. And the PCR test, of course, we know is even the, even the guy who invented the PCR test said it's completely useless in detecting any COVID or any specific virus or anything like that. And so the speculation is that, that it's, they're creating a, uh, a bird flu narrative just like they did with the COVID narrative, and they're going to call the chickens, and, and it's going to contribute to, you know, prices and perhaps famine. My God. Okay. I, that, that's all new information. Had no idea that that was happening. And um, very interesting. Very, very interesting. And it's true. Uh, Chuck is saying here in the chat room, the globalists are controlling the narrative. China and Russia, India are joining up together. America's do- uh, done. The dollar is finished. China's the new system. Um, I, I could very simply agree with that. It seems like everything's going in that direction. The righteous judgment of God upon our nation. And um, wow. Wow, that was a lot. That was a lot. And what it should do, the purpose of all of that, now as we look at that through a biblical lens, we say, okay, that's scriptural. Uh, What has just been said, um, you look through the biblical lens and you can now give interpretation. And again, it's it's the clarion call that regardless of emotion or thought, this is the truth. These things are written that they will come. We are a generation that are witnessing these things coming like an avalanche. It's an acceleration. It's global. It's happening all over the world. So many different things are taking place. Uh, July 8th, 2022, Israel destroyed new Islamic information. Very, very interesting. I mean, that is very, very interesting. Um, And the thing that's troubling, if I may, just one thought. The thing that's troubling is that... um, Behind the scenes, you see Joe Biden, um, you see the globalists that are working together, and you see that um, the obviousness of the corruption uh, in the Ukraine, the obviousness of Joe Biden and his son being investigated, they work with Ukraine, the oil companies, um, the obvious thing that's going on there is a major distraction, or they're going after something that can expose them, and yet so what do you do with that information? I mean, I can't do anything about that. Um, you, who's going to do anything when it's so obvious? You know, what is the proper response to these things when we see them happening? Well, um, oh, 
there's one thing that I forgot to add about the news. There's, um, the, the Chinese have just struck a deal with the Solomon Islands. The Solomon Islands is a sovereign country in the Pacific. It's off of Australia. But they've just uh, established a deal where their Chinese um, are going to put military bases in the Solomon Islands. So that will give them a foothold in the Pacific. So that's just an added thing. But um, what do we do with all of this? Well, you know, I, we, we pay attention. We remain aware. We don't want to be ignorant of the wiles of the devil. We want to know what direction things are moving in. But we need to not beca- become obsessed and consumed by them. And we need to continue doing... Um, doing the kingdom work. And um, it's just one of the things that just it becomes increasingly clear. It's a lesson I have to learn. I seem to have to learn over and over and over again is the importance of eldership. And, and there are, we're surrounded by young people who love, love Jesus deeply, but they are completely confused. And I'm, I'm just completely just stunned sometimes when I, get into a conversation with them and I bring, you know, um, I was in a conversation with one of my coworkers. He's a 30 year old guy. He's got, he's working on his second college degree. He's just, he's passionate about the Lord. He's got his Bible open, you know, at work all the time and he's constantly praying in the spirit. And, um, you know, we had a conversation about eschatology. He had absolutely no idea about different schools of thought or even that anything about it. And, um, and then just something as simple as the difference between justice, mercy, and grace. And I explained to him that, that, that justice is, you know, getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. And, you know, I, 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 gave, I explained that to him, and he was he's completely dumbfounded and amazed. Like, he just, like the lights had just been turned on. And then there's, it's kind of a funny story, but we were, we were in the in the, in the, the the meal, the dining room with the boys yesterday, and one of the boys had gone out on a farm, and he had got to participate in the birth of a calf, and the calf was born, came out in the amniotic sac, and he was just amazed, and he just kept on talking about how the how the cow came out in a in a white sack, and one of the boys just started laughing hysterically, and we were trying to figure out what he was laughing at, and 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 I said, okay. I said, was it the white or was it just the word sack that's making you laugh? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, no, it's like, I'm sorry. He's like, but, you know, he didn't have to say that it was white. He just had to say that it was an egg. <laughs> he didn't know, he didn't know that, 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 that baby calves don't come out of eggs. And so I'm just, I'm just repeatedly confronted with these assumptions that I make that it's like, that these younger people don't need to hear from us and that they don't want to hear from us. And that's what's, that's what's been um, really um, uh, built into our culture. It, it began with the destruction of the family and then the, 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 the elimination of the authority of the father completely to the point of like, you know, you have sitcoms that are just, that just uh, demean fatherhood and make, and, and make a mockery of men in general. But the fact of the matter is, is there's a, there, this, there's no, been no more of an important time for, in my lifetime for elders and especially fathers to rise up and to not make assumptions about when we encounter somebody who professes Christ, a young person, not make assumptions that they understand what, what that even means. And we need to rise up and we need to speak. And what I see is like there at New Wine Ministries, there's a lot of gray hairs there. When I, when I look at 
when I'm watching the church services, and there's a lot of wisdom there, and there's a lot of uh, a lot that needs to be imparted to to the younger generation. <clears throat> that is so true. We're just waiting for the youthful warriors to show up. Um, yeah, we have we have all kinds of uh, you know great leadership and, and wisdom. You know, Brian, as you were talking about these young these young men, these boys that you're training right now, I was thinking I was five years old. And this is just a little rabbit trail here. When I was five years old, I remember I was being babysat. I had to go to a babysitter down the road. And um, I remember laying down for a nap around 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I could remember that. And I'll never forget laying in the silence of the bed at 5. And I could hear in the distance an airplane flying way high in the sky over. And I could hear the engine and how that inspired me that way up there, way up there, an airplane, it, it, it produced a sense of adventure, a sense of, wow, there's, there, there's something above, there's something out there, there's something, you know, way beyond myself. And if we can, as elders, inspire the minds of young people, and I could just see a father bending down on one knee telling his son, look up, look over there, look up. If we can get people to see beyond what's happening here in a horizontal way and to open their minds, to open their eyes, to see things beyond here and now, regardless, what that has a tendency to do is it lifts you up and out of the morbidity of, you know, the things that are happening in harsh reality times sometimes. And um, so your work is so critical. And if you inspire one young man's mind, who knows if that one young man is going to become a great leader or a great inventor or some kind of an individual that makes an impact uh, in the days in which we live. We can never exclude that from the equation. Yeah. And yeah. And, and it's, um, you know, you, you use the word, there's young warriors and they have the, they have the strength and they have the endurance to go and continue to do things that I used to do when I was younger. And I, and I still sometimes think I can until my body reminds me that, that, that bullish strength is no longer my primary thing that I have to contribute, you know, and now I have to ha pass on the wisdom. But I realize what it is, is I realize that, that we have to be active and we have to be intentional about, about actually imparting that wisdom because they, they're not going to come and ask for it. They're not going to, you know, I can remember going and asking my grandfather questions and things like that, but but, you know, they're not going to ask questions because they've been taught that old people don't know anything. Old people are, and we have to be able to demonstrate that. We need to be able to uh, encourage them to ask questions and, in, well, inspire them to ask questions before we can inspire them to, uh, to, be, to rise up and become the men that they are created to be. Amen. You know, uh, hope oftentimes has to do with waiting, uh, if we wait with hope, and what is hope? It's the confident, the joyful, cheerful, confident expectation. Uh, when true hope is involved, there is an inner joy that is looking beyond the, what we can see, because if we hope for what we see, then it's not hope at all. The Word of God says so. If I have a joyful, confident expectation, something's going to happen. Um, in these last days, in these end times, in this volatile world scenario of the great tribulation is on the way. Uh, the final one, uh, one that Yeshua talked about 2,000 years ago, and we've seen types and shadows along the way. But now that global one world government coming to power, 
um, and, and the preparation to go through those days and to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now, all of that, the joyful, confident expectation is on the other side of that is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if people would be inspired and whet their appetite with this, rather than just concentrating and waiting for the bad stuff to come, uh, we're not waiting for the bad stuff to come. We know it's coming, but we're pre- and preparing for it, but with the intention of getting through it. We're, it's kind of like, okay, it's coming, but we know on the other side of it is where eternity is going to be, you know, manifest. It's going to be unveiled to us. And so it's just important to walk with hope, faith, and love. These three remain. The greatest of these is love. And not to abandon the spiritual, internal joy, righteousness, peace, and joy is the kingdom of God. So the encouragement today is to inspire people to just remember, yes, it's coming. Yes, it's here. The beginning of sorrows, a woman in travail, it's not going back. She has got to give birth. You don't begin in child pain, travail, and then call it off. This is real. It is happening. It's becoming obvious, so obvious people can hardly believe it. But the massive great tribulation spoken of in Scripture is coming. And we know that people will not be able to buy or sell. We know that people are going to be running into problems of depending on governmental officials. So God has been forewarning the people, get out of the way. Be led by the Spirit to that place where you can have food, water, and economy. Get out of the way. Take care of business. And let me be a dome around you and protect you in that place. And I fear that some people, for one reason or another, are delaying, and they haven't done much to prepare and are going to find themselves running and uh, hopefully not turning back, turning into a pillar of salt or going into the wrong place and finding dysfunction where they go. There still is a moment here for people to really be praying and going back to intercessory prayer about, Lord, where do you want me to spend these moments on this earth, in this horizontal world that I see Bible prophecy being fulfilled to get through? Where's the best place? How am I going to get through without any falsities or or deception? I know what's coming. You told me what it would be like. And if you take the mark of the beast, you damn your soul forever. I don't want that to happen. So how am I really getting ready to handle these issues that are coming down the pike? Yeah. Well, it's, all I can say is that, because I can only speak for myself, is that um, if you don't know and if you're questioning, then get on your knees and worship him, and he's going to show you and ask for wisdom. You know, that's the only place you're going to find that answer, you know, with your Bible right there. I don't know what else to tell people, um, you know, and I'll definitely be praying. That will be one thing that we'll be praying that God would um, lead his people and they would hear from him. And the other thing you were talking about, that, that hope is a joyful expectation. And yesterday in intercessory prayer, I was, I was travailing. I can't remember exactly what it was about probably the lost souls, I think. But, and then all of a sudden God showed me that, that um, it, it's going to be okay, you know. And I started laughing. It was just like because he just took the burden right off me. And, I, and there was so much assurance that I was kind of laughing at myself 
it, I just can't explain it, but he just gave me that joy, you know, in the midst of travailing right after instantly. It was just supernatural. It's just crazy. And, um, but yeah, I don't know what else to tell people is to, is to just, um, get on your knees, just go on your knees right away and, and just say, God, what do I do? And then you got to listen. You got to read his word and listen for anything, any of the signs that he's going, how he's going to lead you. None of us get that audible voice. Very rare do we get an audible voice from God, but he leads us, you know, he never leaves us and he doesn't want to hold this back from us. If your son was asking like, how do I get to your house, dad? I live here. What's the way? Are you going to really like hold that information back from him? You know, <laughs> exactly. No, you can't. And, and Brian, just before we, uh, you release here, um, you said something so critical, Kathy, and, and I've been. This has been in the depths of, of my spirit, and I've been contemplating this for a very, very long time. And I'm going to be very, very honest um, on this air, on this broadcast uh, at 9:56 a.m. on the 30th day of uh, what March 2022. Um, I have been wondering. We have been speaking for so long, and we have been sharing for so long, and we have basically said everything we could possibly say in the realm of warning people of what is coming. Now, there will always be a pastoral place, a teaching place, a prophetic place, an apostolic place, and an evangelistic place in the economy of God for God's people, because all those ministries are to God's people, and uh, it's to the building up and the edifying of the body of Christ. That will always remain in the economy of God, but the day comes there Noah just has nothing left to say. And the time actually comes and things begin to be fulfilled. And I, I'm sensing very strongly at this time, like you said, what else is there to say? There's really not much more to say. And I have a sense that the next time, you know, when, when, when God says to close down this radio broadcast, that maybe the next time our voices will ever be heard will be on a ham radio somewhere on the planet uh, to whosoever has survived the Holocaust and is having an ear to hear or an eye to see, because there's, I, I just, to that moment, and I said this a few months ago, I, I doubt we're going to be on the air in April, and today is 30th of March, and I just am sensing in my spirit, what is the purpose any longer of saying this? Now, I would say it as long as God says to say it, but I, 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 I feel in my spirit, I discern in my spirit the people that listen to this radio broadcast that have tuned in, it's been very unique. I mean, there's great people, sincere people out there, and I pray that we've been very sincere with them in our belief that we're not just blowing smoke, making up things uh, that don't fit the climate and trying to make it fit. I believe that it, it, it's sincere and it's accurate. I believe that. So something is, is just kind of swirling, Brian, Something swirling that this this moment is coming to an end of being on a podcast on a computer, um, and and the focus and the concentration of our lives is to continue to minister to the conduct of God's people in the wilderness. That the people in the wilderness are going to need the ministry of the Spirit, and because behavior, conduct, character. You know, these things, quite frankly, are more important than the events that are going on uh, for the ultimate victory in the survival. Can you please speak into that just a little bit as you feel led to do so? Yeah, I think that, that um, you know, on one hand, 
I, I, I'm not just looking to survive. I'm not just looking to be okay. I'm looking to fulfill Ephesians 2.10, you know, which is to do the works that he's prepared for me to do beforehand, you know, because we are his workmanship, it says, you know, and he's prepared things for us to do. There's, some, there's more to, the, to this whole walk than just simply being saved by grace through faith, right? Most people that are believers get that, but there's, there, there's assignments that we have. There are things that he put us on, 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 the, on the earth to do. And then, but then the whole thing about character is, is, um, is, is, is so important because, you know, it's one of the things that I always used to tell the people in our, uh, in our prison ministry is that, you know, you're getting out and, and they always want to work and they always want to just try to play catch up economically and they want to get cars and toys and, and everything else like that. But what I tried to explain to them is that your most important and most valuable commodity that you have right now is your integrity. And, and that's just right now, it's like one of the things that's missing is particularly in charismatic circles is the emphasis on character. You can have all the giftings in the world, but if you don't have the characters to sustain them, they will destroy you. And we can see that obviously in the body of Christ with all these, you know, gifted people, the gifts are without repentance, you know, and, and, but they're crashing and burning morally. And so this is something that I'm really trying to impart to the to the boys that I'm working with is that character matters. And um, you know, I just keep coming back to First uh, Peter one five through seven. You know, for this speaking about how we can be effective is that's, is the context. You know, and 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 it says for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and with virtue knowledge and knowledge self control and self control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Love is the final, the, final, um, the final fruit that gets produced by all of this, but it begins with adding to your faith virtue. You know, and virtue is valor, and virtue is integrity, and, and, and it's the one thing that we see lacking in the world. As, as things deteriorate, as the government just becomes, uh, you know, the light gets shined and, and we see what the government is and we see for what it is, uh, the lack of virtue, the lack of character, the lack of integrity is apparent. And we need to be, ensure, we need to be sure at this time that we are walking in virtue. And, and, and I think sometimes... Uh, I don't know, maybe we're too forgiving sometimes. We let things go. And I'm speaking again in the context. I, I look at my daily walk in my job and the things that I encounter in the spirit, I look at them as being prophetic in terms of the world. And, and one thing that's really, really lacking that these young people have not been educated in is, is the importance of integrity, the importance of having character. And that's going to be key because wherever the gaps are in character, wherever our, our backyards are not clean, um, you know, speaking of sin, but um, it's, that's where the enemy's going to attack, you know, and, and that's where we're going to be in a, in a lot, a lot of trouble. And our best defense right now, the bunker that we need to be built in, is a bunker built out of, out of strong character, virtue, and integrity. You know, it's, it's, it's a very huge thing. I'm thinking about Moses and Aaron and the children of Israel. And I'm thinking about them now in the wilderness, okay? So we have a type and a shadow uh, as it is in the beginning, so shall it be in the end, right? Or the end is revealed from the beginning. So in the end of things, in the book of Revelation, there is an ecclesia that's going into the wilderness. 
And so we see Israel as an ecclesia, if you will, going into the wilderness with leadership, divinely appointed godly leadership, uh, Moses and Aaron. And so Moses and Aaron get into the wilderness and they start to chide. The people of Israel start to complain. They start to murmur. Uh, They start to point the finger. They start looking at the leadership as the problem. And the the leadership has never been where where they've been before. I mean, this is a brand new way. They're learning as they go, kind of like the apostles in the book of Acts, you know, with the deacons, you know, point out, you know, seven men among you to take care of the business. We're giving ourselves a prayer and studying the word. We've never been this way before. So we have this leadership in the wilderness and people um, whose character was really uh, not where it needed to be. There were a couple that had faith. I mean, we talk about uh, Joshua and Caleb. But for the most part, the people started challenging. You know, they're challenging Moses and Aaron. You know, who are you? And we have the sons of Korah. We have Korah and his tribes, and the people sided with him. And we could do a better job than you. And then you had the people murmuring and complaining in their tents. And what was it that was bringing the judgment? It wasn't the leadership. It wasn't Moses and Aaron. It was the people's response to the crises of their times. And God has been telling us for how long now, you're going into a wilderness. You're going into a time where the world is going to hate you. You are going to a time where you will not go to that grocery store. You will not be able to afford the prices. You will have no insurance. You will have no medical care. You will have no dental. You will not be able to go just do business as usual. You will not be able to get gasoline because you won't be able to purchase it without the mark. You're going to be living in a world, in a place with a bunch of people, or if you're going to ride the storm out yourself, which I don't think is biblical, but if you happen to, you're going to be there with yourself and you're going to be there with other people. And how we respond to what God has told us is coming. And it's one thing to say, you know, as a coach, you know, this team we're going to play is a really big team and we're going to, it's going to be, you know, we've got to battle this out. But once you get on the field, it takes on a whole new, you know, meaning in itself. So what's coming, we have been foretold, but the experience of what is coming, how are we going to respond? And we were talking about that yesterday, just the response to things that we don't like, the response to things when we don't think they work the way that we think they should, the response to what we think, you know, they, you know, we start pointing fingers and different things. And we're just, we have got to be in a place individually because of the spirit of God, because of that divine nature, because of the character of Christ. If it's not working in us, if it's not establishing us, I would hate to be in a wilderness uh, with a whole bunch of people that have no character and have no biblical response or spiritual response to a crisis and be able to handle it with the joy, the love, the peace, um, and, and gain the wisdom through prayer and understanding of what we could do better and how to get it done right. Um, that's something that I think is critical. Yeah, no, it, it is. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it, it can be very deceiving because, you know, there's, you, you can look at the, the, the huge prepper movement that's been going on for several years now but is really starting to amp up again. And the emphasis that the people put on different things, different prepping groups, organizations, whatever you want to call them, individuals, you know, and, and you know, there is, there is the prepping of, of, of Joseph, right, and which God told him to store up wheat for the coming famine. And he got his orders from God. He got his direction from God. And then there's the prepping that comes in the natural that has people, like, arming themselves to the teeth with, you know, 
with uh, with fully automatic weapons and grenade launchers and, you know, only God knows what else, you know, and spending tens of thousands of dollars on night vision goggles. And and it's not that that that, that kind of stuff in itself is, like, wrong or evil or whatever, but it's just the fact that it's the emphasis and the focus is on the natural and creating man-made solutions to a to a spiritual problem. And we're going to have to walk in the supernatural. That's the only way we're going to make it. We're going to have to, we cannot, we can, we will not have access to the supernatural unless we have character. You know, Daniel survived, uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego survived in, in the oven, right? God was with them in the fire. They were not excluded and preserved from the fire. They were preserved in the fire. But the reason was, his character at the beginning. He refused to back down. He held his ground. You know, having done all to stand, like it says in in Ephesians 6.13, he stood, therefore, which means he didn't run away and he didn't attack. He stood his ground. He held his, and that was, and and, and that was his character that that, that, uh, allowed Joseph to do that, that allowed Daniel to do that, and that is what's going to preserve us in the wilderness. You know, we can, we can, we can pray in tongues. We can do everything in the spirit, and it could just be the most beautiful experience with glory clouds and everything else. But but the fact of the matter is, if we don't have character, it's it's going to amount to nothing. Because that is the that is our part, as far as our part goes. That is what gives us access to the supernatural. That's what's going to give us access to uh, to being preserved in the wilderness. And if we don't have it, I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think the wilderness is going to go as well as a lot of people hope. So let me ask you this. If, if everything about leadership, okay, we're talking about church, quote-unquote, leadership, and we see that as the pastor that stands behind the pulpit with the suit on, and we see, uh, you know, maybe the teacher's teaching and whatever other form of leadership may exist, shouldn't every single leader, I mean, it's important for people to recognize God-ordained leadership. I agree with that. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, people must recognize within themselves, for themselves, godly ordained leadership. What leader? And my question is, the leadership of the church today, and I'm talking in general, you know, so many of the people that are leading are telling people that they don't need to prepare, that they just need to get ready to meet the Lord, and there's going to be, you know, a pre-tribulational rapture, and there's, you know, this type of thing. And my, my point is, if the church were to go into the wilderness and we have all this leadership out there, um, number one, if the leadership wasn't preparing them for the wilderness and, and kind of foretelling them about what was going to be taking place, uh, that would be a little bit difficult. And then you find leaders in the wilderness. Um, they have to be truly regarded as being by God if they truly are. And if they're not, you can't follow that. So how important is it to recognize godly leadership right now as the church is going into the wilderness and to, and to allow for that leadership to have an assignment, a, a spiritual assignment on their life to lead? Because there's been leaders like Jim Jones who led a whole bunch of people down to South America and they all wound up drinking the Kool-Aid and, and, and got poisoned. Or they were leaders that had people shaving their heads, putting on Nike tennis shoes, waiting for the spaceship to fly by. I mean, leadership is a very, very critical thing. And to recognize that leadership, and with Moses and Aaron, 
They were obviously divinely appointed by God, and yet the people in the wilderness accused them of bringing them out into this situation. And when things didn't work out the way they wanted to, you know, this is a very critical thing. This, quite frankly, makes one just go, you know what? I'm going to abandon the whole program. I'm going to do this on my own. And I fully understand that, but it's not really the plan of God for the day that we're living in. How would you speak into that? You know, I don't even know if that got through the way it was intended, but how would you minister to that? Well, I'll go first. And um, yesterday in prayer, God just, uh, it was so, so strong. He prophesied, it was about, uh, it was actually, he said, many are coming are going to come in my name and deceive many and say that I am Jesus, the Jesus, this is Jesus that I'm following. And, and discernment is so, so important. And even the elect will be deceived. There you go. So we as each individual, each child of God, needs to ask for discernment and make these decisions in their own heart and be guided by Holy Spirit and not by the group or their friend or just because, you know, their mother or their father or their sister or their aunt is going here or there. But it's so, so important discernment in these times. And it's, it's just crazy. And it's very, mm-hmm. very, very important ah. to, um, to um, have discernment about who you're going to listen to or what church you're going to, you know, it's, it's, very, it's just as important as like, oh, we're going to listen to this, this kind of music or that kind of music. You know, it goes into our spirit. But unfortunately, these leaders who call themselves leaders and are, are wolves in sheep's clothing are deceiving many. And um, it's, just, uh, it's just so important that uh, we read the word and, um, and line everything up, filter everything through the Word of God. You need to know the Word of God, and you have to have Holy Spirit to teach you it and, and to walk in that discernment. So that's another thing that we're praying is that the body of Christ have discernment hugely. Yeah, the, the other thing about leadership is that we're all leaders. As, as believers, we're all called to be leaders, but leadership involves following. Leadership involves submitting to authority. There is an order within the church it's not just a mad chaos thing and it's not it's not a it's not an oligarchy and it's not a dictatorship except that it's a theocracy but that means that there are appointed leaders there are people who hold specific offices within the church but you know i may not hold an office in a church but if i'm a part of a church i submit to that leadership and by my example and by the way i respond to that leadership i'm also leading other people and so I think I think there's a tendency in Western culture to look at like to look at submission to leadership as being some sort of a subservience or whatever. But it's about honoring God. It's about honoring, submitting to one another as 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 we do to, to Christ. And and um, yeah, and so it's 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 uh, we have a responsibility to stand up and recognize the fact that leadership is something we're endowed with. It's not it's not just a position. <clears throat> Let me ask you this, uh, if I may, just inter- a quick interjection. Um, and I just want to take nationally the United States of America right now. So in our country, uh, if we were to look back and we were to say, okay, where can I find leadership in the body of Christ? Now, most people 
looked at Donald Trump as divinely appointed leadership. That's what just happened in 2016 to 2020. Most people said, okay, Donald Trump is the man. He's the Cyrus. He's the 45th president out of Isaiah chapter 45. He's the guy. And a lot of people were willing to follow, not all. But here you have a, a man that is in the White House that was to be bring leadership to the people. But, you know, you kind of look at that and say, is that the divinely appointed leadership to the church? Um, and if, if, if not that man, where do you find leadership? Well, I mean, I'm looking for someone. Is it Franklin Graham? Is it, uh, you know, whoever? Where is the leadership today that I can follow, where is that, that I can know that God is operating in their life, leading, guiding, directing, speaking, unveiling, manifesting, uh, you know, walking the walk, real, genuine, pure, holy, possession, possessing the possessions by their faith, walking in integrity. Where is this leadership? And I sit back and I just wonder, okay, you know, where is it? And I'm not saying there aren't a lot of great people out there um, that have incredible giftings. And, but where's the leadership to say, okay, here's where we are. This is what needs to be done. This is what has to happen. Here's how we gather together. Here's how we prepare for what's coming. This is what we do. Where is that in a national level, maybe from your perspective? Um, I, I don't think we have it on a national level. And I think that's, that is wow. best evidenced by the fact that so many people look to Donald Trump to be their spiritual head, you know, which was just, I, it just boggles my mind. It's, it's, you know, and, and you said, you've already said that it's not the leaders that brought the judgment of God on Israel. It was the people that brought the judgment of God on Israel. And instead of repenting as a nation, we look to a leader that was going to save us because we're so good and we deserve to have a great leader who's going to rescue us from the devil. And it's like, and, and, and it was, it's just absolutely absurd. And we have no national leadership, not nothing. Anyone who thinks that the Republican party is, is really any better. They may be different in certain ways, but if you think that they're any better than the democratic party, um, it's, it's, you're completely deceived. You're just completely, completely deceived. And so the leadership is in, the leadership is in, in Bay of Vista, Arkansas, New Wine Ministries, you know. There's leadership here in Greenville, Tennessee. But the leadership is, is sparse, and I think that's why, that's why it's going to be a remnant in the wilderness. And um, it's sad to say, but there's just not, there's just not a lot of, of leadership. And the more celebrity, I think celebrity and, and leadership, it's, it's actually inversely proportionate. The more someone is promoted and, 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 and marketed and, 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 and people want to follow them and be like them more than they want to be like Jesus, it's like the, it's the less authority they actually carry in the kingdom of God. Jesus came as a servant. He came, he came in low and slow. He didn't come in, come in with flashing lights and smoke machines. and Yeah, so. But anyways, I, I've got to go and go to a meeting. And Kathy's still going yeah. to be here, yeah. but I have to go to a meeting. So, okay. So right. God bless you guys. Shalom. We love you. God bless you. Uh, Kathy, did you want to say something before we get rolling here? Um, well, I think that um, as on an individual basis, when someone's looking for a church, and I, my heart goes out to like single women 
that don't, you know, it's harder, you know, because I have my husband that we pray together and we talk things over. But, like, but whether you're a couple or a single person looking for where should I go, who should I who should lead me? Who do I want to lead me into these times? And, and first, you need to know who Jesus is, you know, and his character and, and what he says, his truth, his humility, and all the characteristics that come from him through knowing him through his word and with Holy Spirit. And then, you know, then you can discern, like, is that a good leader, you know? You know? And um, just like how we had stumbled upon your, brought, your podcast is like, you know, we saw all the characteristics of Jesus, and um, just through your speaking and uh, display of your humility through your speaking, and um, and has it does it line up with the Bible? You know, and and seasoned Christians that have been walking with God should already know this and should know their Lord and and be walking with that discernment. And others that are brand new that just got saved yesterday. Um, you know, they're going to have to come under, you know, a good leadership or discipleship. And that's what's really missing today. I, I see um, in the circle of life I've lived in the last 30 years, you know, uh, discipleship hasn't been a huge thing um, in the body of Christ. They just show up to church, sing, you know, raise their hands and go home and eat lunch, watch football. And um, it's been lost. So, yeah. But, Kathy, um, yeah, did you have to run as well? No. Okay. No. So I was it's thinking. It's scary to be by myself here, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I just want I, I have a word for the fathers out there. You know, when I think of leadership, I think of fatherhood. And I'm hoping that there is a father out there, some, a man who has sons and daughters, a father. Because in my understanding of true leadership, it's fatherhood. The Apostle Paul said you have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. And, you know, the fathers on earth who carry the father's heart, the father of heaven, um, and, and, and that father and son relationship. And I'm not talking gender here. I'm talking about uh, fathers who father their children. Uh, the number one aspect of a father, obviously, because it's his own seed in a perfect world, that's love. You know, a father's heart should be filled with love, meaning that whatever sacrifices are made are made for his children because he loves them. And because he loves his children, because he cares about their well-being, about their training, about what they think, about the knowledge that's in their head, about the, the, you know, uh, being able to discern when they're having difficult times and being able to get into their heart and undo the and unravel the turmoil of a human soul. I mean, this is a labor. Being a father is a labor in the hearts of people. I grew up in the ministry. Uh, unfortunately, you know, in the world, I didn't have good fathering or the fathering that was uh, would have been desirable, but God bless my father. I'm not saying anything about him. But what I experienced in this life was a true father in my pastor. And my pastor had a father's heart and took a person that, you know, came into his life and uh, fathered him in the spirit. And was he a perfect man? No, he was not a perfect man, but the father's love in him enabled him to father my spirit and to raise it up and to bring me to a place in my life where 
my life changed. So I know that fathering is probably the greatest leadership that the world will ever know. And I think Donald Trump was a massive leader. I think he's a leader on steroids, and that's why so many people wanted to get behind him and lead, but something fell short there. And I think God was saying to the church, you know, be careful about putting your eyes on a man, because if that man is gone and we don't know what to do, that means we weren't fathered and trained up in knowing what needs to happen. So uh, I have nothing against anybody uh, and, and I think one of the greatest leaders that I got 100% behind was, was Donald Trump. I thought he did a fabulous job in leadership. I think he said what he needed to say. People were saying he said not he was too strong. I thought, you're not strong enough. Keep going. Beat this thing. Go for it. And let God be with you as you go. But my eyes, my heart, always reserved that place where the spiritual leadership, when uh, he said something crass, I wrote letters. I wrote letters. Don't say that. You know, we're backing you up. Don't say things like, God, you know what. And, and uh, you know, so never look to a man, but look for the father's heart and the mm-hmm. true father's heart in leadership. And that's what I think, if there's a father out there today, you represent the greatest leadership that your children will ever know. They will never know leadership like yours. And if, and if you labor in their life and they start looking to some other man out there, um, just father them so that they'll always come back to you. Father them that the things that you plant in them will be there forever. Father them. Love your children. Prepare for them. Concern for them. Labor with them. Walk with them. And I know it's not easy. It's just not easy, especially in today's world, where the world's actually saying, we don't want to call them mother and father any longer. We're going to call them the adults in our home. Because everything Mm -hmm. is changing to dismiss fatherhood and motherhood. And this new world mindset that's coming down the pike. So however long you have your children with you, my prayer to God is that fathers, a father's heart, will begin to show up in ministries. Go ahead, Kathy, please. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. Beautifully said, and, and that's it. It's it's a just a natural father on earth has what is the the biggest characteristics when a kid looks at his father like a good father um, is like his unconditional love and his severity and his discipline. Well said. And the father, you know, because he who does not discipline his son hates his son. The Bible says Proverbs, but. Yeah, a father's heart. And it also says that God is going to turn the father's heart back to the children. And that is the leadership. You pinned it right on it. And God was speaking to me about that yesterday in intercessory prayer. Absolutely. And it's it's so important. That is so good that if you're looking for a good leadership, does he have that father's heart? You know, it's not just the goodness, but it's the severity, like when to call the boundary, when to call this is out of line. You know, like you, how you like Trump and his brashness, or I like that too about him. He was like, I like, just give me the truth. I don't care if you're going to be trying to be politically correct. Just, I want the truth and I want, you know, tell us. And the only thing about Trump, though, is that I think that um, I just didn't see um, much spirituality. But he, I think, yeah, I was all for him and his leadership. It's finally someone's going to call a spade a spade. Bring it on, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the Father's Good. heart, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. And then God's 
has made us in his image. So he's just, it's just perfect. In, in, in Genesis, let us make man in our image. And he is a father. He's our father, whereby we call out Abba, Father. And, and now he says, be fruitful and multiply. And there you go. He's the father's heart from the beginning, and he's calling us back to the end in these days. And um, that's what we need, a father's heart in uh, the leadership. And that's a characteristic that, that I think we all know. If we're living on this earth, we have a father. And if he wasn't a good father, we kind of have in mind how we wish he would have been. And so um, that's a good definition of, of leadership. It's, it's the only definition, a full so definition. A full definition. And, and then, Kathy, what you just said, I want to say to the fathers that may be listening right now, I just heard the Holy Spirit just drop this right in my spirit. It's never too late. You know, you may have had a tough time being a father in the early stages. Maybe you've gone through enough stuff and you weren't fathered properly and you're trying to wonder, how do I father my children? Or you're patterning your fatherhood towards your children the way that your father treated you. And maybe and if it wasn't right, you're just passing down that, you know, that same spirit. That's what we call a familiar yeah. family spirit, a familiar spirit. But if we get a revelation of the father's heart, like my friend Chris Brochu, who travels all over the world, uh, bringing out the revelation of the father's heart. When we get a revelation of the father's heart and we begin to lead and impart in that manner, now uh, what's important, and that could begin today. That doesn't say, well, I've wasted my life. My kids are grown up now. They got their own children. I blew it. No, it's never too late. I just heard God say that. It's never yeah. too late. And so then the children will have a responsibility to honor their mother and father. So leadership, when it comes in the true form of fathering, and now the honor. And when you have that relationship where the father's heart from the father is manifested and imparted, now you have the honor of the children to respect and honor their mother and father in that sense. You have relationship. You have things that nothing will be impossible to you. Uh, they're telling me I've got 60 seconds left. Kathy, final word before we go. That's mm. uh, just beautiful. And it's just all found. It's never too late. If you have breath, it's never too late. That's the beauty of, of uh, God's glory coming through and taking us that, that just blew our whole lives out and made the worst decisions and harmed a lot of people, our own children. I'm one of them, you know, that made a lot of bad decisions. And But it's never, ever too late. Today is Amen. the day of salvation. And he's calling every single one of us who would hear his voice that we can respond. And he, your whole, everything will be changed, every single thing. He will cleanse us and take away all our shame and guilt and, and give us a brand new heart and um and the power and the knowledge to go forward and become who he has called us and, and originally made us to be, the fathers, you know, the fathers and the mothers that um, have the father's heart heart in us. You know, it's just a beautiful thing. That represents Amen. the church, his relationship with, with his children. It's just a beautiful thing. Amen, it is. Kathy, we're done right now. I'm pretty sure it's 1030, and they're telling me that my time on Blog Talk is over. I'm going to stay just a little bit longer on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you and Brian for calling in once again, staying in touch with us, and uh, we keep hearing it again and again. When are they coming? Are they coming? Passover's coming. Are they coming? And I said, no, nah, they said they weren't going to come. So, but <laughs> just be blessed by the knowledge that there are people that really, uh, even from South Dakota, hey, are Brian and Kathy coming? So people love you guys. We appreciate you. And 
we'll see you when God affords that relationship to 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 appear. Okay. Hopefully. And until then. Yeah. Thank you. And hopefully we'll be talking again next week. Um, thank you, Kathy. God bless you. Uh, we're coming to the end of our broadcast now. Uh, I like some of the comments that are going on here. Um, I had a 916 call coming in. Jeff Bass, Pastor Jeff Bass says, Pastor, regarding where the leadership, I believe we have to pray that God will raise up a servant leader who will have the mind of Christ, be a man after God's own heart, humble and spirit-led. Amen. May God raise a plethora of them up. Amen. Uh, Pastor Jeff said, I believe Trump was chosen and used by God. However, I feel that Trump's downfall was that Trump wasn't willing to give God the glory and walk and lead in humility. So pride goes before a fall, James 4, 6. That's coming again for Pastor Jeff Bass. Phil Buswell, I pray that President Trump be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So will be the leader God, he will be the leader God requires. That would be quite an interesting, that's, that'd be a good combination, wouldn't it? DJ, Donald J. Trump, DJT, on uh, Holy Ghost baptism fire. Man, oh man, oh man. All right, so I think that's it for us today. We'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing, with bells on. This is Pastor Vince. I hope this broadcast has meant something to you. It is the last couple of days of March and would love to have your financial support if you would support the ministry. God bless you for doing it. And thank you, most of all, sincerely, for prayers, for guidance. We are in the middle of something right now that needs the wisdom of God and divine guidance. Please pray for us that all confusion and deception will be banished and that the path will be clear, shining like the brightness of the noonday. We love you guys. Thanks for your kind comments that you've made on the chat room as well. We have taken knowledge and thank you, Lord Jesus, for every good thing. And may you now bless your people as they go. May you encourage them and inspire them. And may you equip them to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. May you bring it all together, and though the path has been crooked, it will be made straight. And the weary hands that have hung down, may they be raised up in worship to the King of glory. And may Jesus Christ take complete um, occupancy in your mind, in your soul, in your heart. Until we meet again, this is Pastor Vince Shalom. Have a super blessed day. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Omega Radio. You can listen to that right now. There's some great stuff on there. We'll see you tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.